0: good way to start off the new year amen you know I was unlocking the door coming into the building this morning and it occurred to me that I have been in the house of God on the first Sunday of every new year for 67 years never missed the first Sunday of the new year in my life that I can think of I can't think of a better place to begin your year than in the house of God. And it just, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but when I come into the house of God, there is just a, I I, I know it's the presence of the Lord. I can be just down and discouraged and bummed out and the whole week can just seem like a disaster. But when I walk into the house of God, there is just something about being in his presence. Now, there's there's a lot of people going through some tough stuff. You can look around and see. We're, we're kind of sparse in attendance. And it's, it's hard to measure, Tony, if, if I've made people mad, if I've run them off. Or I, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> God, I hope not. I, I think it's a lot to do with this COVID thing, you know, and, and some people's out of town. But uh, Virginia's taking, I think, it's at an all-time high on COVID cases right now. It's over two and a half years it's been. I don't know. I have been keeping up with the time frame. But uh, there's an outbreak, and, and a lot of people, they're concerned about that, and rightfully so, you know. And and I pray for those that's going through it. Jeannie and I went through it. It's, not, it's no fun, I'm going to tell you. But thank God we went through it. Amen. Not everybody does, but we, we God was good. And uh, there's some people that's going through that right now. You know, Pastor Joel and his family are still really fighting this thing, and you want to keep them in your prayers. And I just learned that Brother Dan is out in Missouri, and he met Mike and Janice, his brother and sister-in-law, midway in West Virginia because he was all by himself, and they didn't want him to be by himself, and he's going through a rough time. And some others, I don't know everyone, but we want to keep them in prayer because it's kind of a frightening thing. But God is good, and come on. He is going to be there for them. I'm just trusting him for that. But it's New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. I hope it is happy. I hope it's going to be happy and blessed and good for you. I really do. Hey, there's nothing wrong with something new. People like new things. Why? Because it's just new. That's the good thing about New Year's. It's new. I mean, it's it's like a new car. It's shiny. It's, it's no scratches on it. There's no dents. You hadn't banged it up. You hadn't run it without oil yet. <laughs> Come on, it's new. it even smells new. You know how a cars got, It's that new car smell. And, but now, at the same time, there's nothing wrong with old things either. Come on, all the old folks say there ain't nothing wrong with being old. Amen. Because sometimes the old is better than the new. They don't make them like they used to. Just cause it's new don't mean it's good. I mean, it's it's good if it's built right. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> So there's nothing wrong with something old. It's, it's, it's only good if it's new, if it's built right. All right? So if I want something new, I want it to be built right. But then there's, there's nothing wrong with new things. People like new things. All right? New cars, new homes. New shoes, ladies. Uh, new pocketbooks, having new Birkenstocks. stocks. Uh, guys, a new Remington 12 gauge. <laughs> new golf club. I don't know what your thing is. But we like new stuff and and we're at, um we're at the new year and 2021 is past us like an old car it might be wore out. You know, we're ready to trade it in. For, we're ready to trade that thing in for something new. Because it wasn't so good to us. Uh but it might not have been so bad, you know, because some people they were blessed last year. It's a good year. I mean, when you look back over the year, uh, if it was a good year, what worked in 2021, it'll work in 2022. If you, if you, God was blessing was being poured out on you, come on, you want some more of that. So not everybody had a bad or difficult or challenging year, but some people did, and if you did, you want something new. Now, we've seen God pour out his blessing time and again. But we typically focus on pain. Isn't that true? I mean, you can take like a white sheet and put it up there, and if there's a little spot on it, you don't see all of that clean. All you see is the dirty. Right? You can have a shirt on, you get a spot on it right there. And what do you focus on? The whole shirt's clean. Sleeves are clean, the back's clean, shirt tail's clean, collar's clean, everything, but you got a spot right there. Same thing is true about life. Your life can be good, but if something happened that's bad, in 2021, your focus is on that. Pain seems to dominate our thinking. If you don't believe it, just hit your thumb with a hammer. Huh? Come on, your whole body is fine. But your whole mind and thinking is on the throbbing of that thumb. Huh? That one little thing dominates your thinking. And so last year might be like that. It might have been good for you, but something bad happened and and, and your focus is on that. But even if your year was dominated with difficulty and pain and suffering and struggle, God told me to let you know that you're troubled on every side, but you're not distressed. You're perplexed, but you're not in despair. You're persecuted, but you're not forsaken. You're cast down, but you're not destroyed. Amen? Amen. That's why I requested that song. Doesn't matter what happened. We're still here. Amen? We're still here. Twenty ones behind us, but I'm still here. The devil may have tried to discourage you, but you're still here. Tried to rob you of your joy, but you're standing here this morning singing praises to God. Tried to wear you out, wear you down, but you're still pressing on, still pushing forward. Tried to bank up some, some of you. But as I look around this morning, I see well fed people, probably got up out of a warm house, drove a nice car here. Huh? He still provides my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Some of you, he tried to kill you. Literally. My wife this year was turning into this driveway out here. There was a car sitting there coming out of the driveway. She's making a left turn to turn in, and a county police car zipped by her, lights on, siren going. If she'd have been two seconds early, he'd have T-boned her right in the door of her her car. And she sat there frozen looking at the lady coming out of the driveway like, what just happened? He ran off the embankment, down the embankment, back up on the highway and kept on trucking. I don't know where he was going, Monday I was hunting, Josh and, and Archer. I am sorry I scared you guys, man. I'm doing pretty good though. I took off on a four wheel and the next thing I know it's sitting on top of me. And I wound up in the emergency room. I didn't know if I was I didn't know what happened. I mean, I was bad shape, boy. But there was no internal injuries, no crack bones. I just I separated my cartilage. Right now I can do like that. And I said they're gonna start calling me Rice Krispie. Because I snap, crackle, and pop when I move. The so, <laughs> devil tried to take me out, but I'm still here. Amen? Come on, we can give God praise for that. I thought I'd start the new year out with Psalms 139, verse 1. It says, "Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. I like that. Even before I even think them, you know them. Verse 4 says, "For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together." He hears everything you he say, guys. "You have hedged me," I love verse 5. "You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand up on me." Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning, your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall did I skip something here? Yeah. No, I read it right. Verse 10. Even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. Verse 11. If I say surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light upon me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts. And I'm glad they're still in place and they're doing what they're supposed to do. Praise God. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lower parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being formed, and in your book they all were written, the day's fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious also of your thoughts are, uh, 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 your thoughts to me, O oh God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be in, more in number than the sand. Come on, did you just hear that, church? The thoughts that God has for me are more than the sand. Do you know how much sand there is on the planet? God thinks a lot about you. And he said, when I wake, I am still with you. Church, it doesn't matter what you've gone through. God is with you. Amen. God is with you. He led me in 2021, and he's going to lead me in 2022. Now, the devil is trying to tell everybody. I heard somebody say this the other day. Oh, things are bad. Things are bad. And it's going to get worse. I said, well, for you maybe. Maybe my Bible says in Psalms 23 that the Lord is my shepherd. I want you to read this with me. The Lord is my shepherd. Come on. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Amen. It's getting bad and it's going to get worse. I said, well, for you maybe. But my God promised me that goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life. And I think I would rather receive that. Amen. 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 So church, God led me in 2021 and he wanted to lead you. I hope he did. But God is going to lead me in 2022 and he wants to lead you also. But the question is, will I follow him? Will I follow him? He wants to lead you, and he will lead you. But are you going to follow him to what I'm calling this morning the right side of the line? Let's pray. Father, I ask you in Jesus' name, Lord, to anoint your word today, Lord, for the body of Christ, Lord, and for those that are outside of your family. Lord, may they hear and know today, God, that you have a purpose and a plan for their life. And God, you want to lead them. God, you want to hedge them before and behind, God. Lord, you want to walk with them and know their thoughts, Lord, and and, and keep them, Lord, and keep that which they've committed unto you, Lord. And, and, And God, perform every work that you have planned for them, Lord. And so, God, may we hear your word today, Lord. May we not only hear it, but receive it, God, and walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, years ago, I, I forgot my little earpiece, guys. I'm having to hold this mic, and I'm not used to that. I do want to use my hands. and I <laughs> But I did a study years ago on the subject of the line of demarcation. And it was an interesting study. A line of de- car- demarcation simply means a boundary around a specific area. It's just a specific line that is drawn that separates one area from another. My neighbor, he owns a lot of pasture land. He has cattle, and he built a fence right down my, beside my yard. And on that side, the cows belong over there. And right on this side is my garden. Okay? And that's a line of demarcation. and they need to stay on their side of the line because my garden's over here. And they can't get their head through the fence. If they could, they'd probably eat my garden. They would cross the line of demarcation and there would be conflict. You understand? So it's just a line that is drawn to separate two areas, but it is commonly used to denote a temporary geopolitical boundary often agreed upon by parties, part of what is called an armistice or a ceasefire. An armistice is just an agreement between two warring factions to set aside their argument long enough to come to a table and sit down and negotiate peace terms. <laughs> come on, that right there would preach. There's a lot of people that's arguing and they just need an armistice. They need to set aside whatever they've been fighting so long. They don't even know what they're fighting about. And they ought to just come together and say, look, let's just forget everything that we're fighting about. Let's sit at the table. and Let's talk this out. And church, listen, if you name the name of Jesus, you ought to be able to do that. If anybody should be able to live and walk in peace and harmony together, it should be the body of Christ. Amen? So an armistice. It's just an agreement to come and sit down together. Now, the original line of demarcation was an imaginary longitude line, slightly moved from the line drawn by Pope Alexander VI. It divided the land claimed by Portugal and Spain after Columbus returned from his voyage to the Americas in 1493. The, the one line of demarcation we might be familiar with is the Mason-Dixon line. Anybody ever heard of the Mason-Dixon line? Uh, how many is from south of the Mason-Dixon? How many is from north of the Mason-Dixon? How many has no idea where the Mason-Dixon line is? <laughs> well, the Mason-Dixon line was a line that was drawn to to D- Determined the diff- the the territory between the British colonies and the American colonies, and it was drawn between Pennsylvania and and Maryland, Delaware, and, and West Virginia, which at that time was a part of Virginia, by Charles Mason and Jeremiah Dixon. That's how it got its name, Charles Mason, his last name, and Jeremiah Dixon, and it's called the Mason-Dixon line, and the Mason-Dixon line was considered the line between the north and the south during the Civil War. So, you know, if you're from south of the Mason Dixon, you're considered a rebel or a southerner or confederate. And if you're from north of the Mason Dixon, you're a Yankee or a northern army or part part of the northern army. (laughs) So it it resolved that dispute. Another example of, of a line of demarcation is a military line of demarcation. Sometimes referred to as an armistice line. There's one between North Korea and South Korea that was established at the end of the Korean War in 1953. And it's, it's just an imaginary line. There is no border. They could break out at war at any time. They just have a ceasefire, and they literally sat on each side of that line with guns looking at each other. And it could break out in a full-scale war at any time between North and South Korea. That's one reason we're keeping so much, uh, uh, giving so much attention to North Korea and getting nuclear capability. That, that would not be a good thing. But one of the, the there's been many line, <clears throat> lines of demarcation, but I just picked a few. One is called the blue line. I like this one. It's a line between Lebanon and Israel. It was published by the United Nations on June the 7th, the year 2000, the purpose of determining whether or not Israel had fully withdrawn from Lebanon. Because what happened is in 2000, Lebanon turned over the government to Hezbollah. Hezbollah is a terrorist group. Now they're running the country and they hate Israel. So they started firing missiles over into Israel. And church, let me tell you something. That is a very bad idea. Israel is nobody to mess with. And so Israel just went on the went on the offensive and they did what we call in the south, oh, they popped the top on a bottle of beat down. And they went to Lebanon and they put a sure enough thumping on Hezbollah. And then after they <clears throat> kind of put them back in their place, they agreed to the United Nations they would withdraw. They didn't want to occupy Lebanon, so they withdrew, and they, blew it, they drew an imaginary line, a line of demarcation known as the blue line. And that was how they measured if Israel had fully withdrawn from Lebanon. And so that line still exists there, the blue line. But the, the all-time favorite line of demarcation that I like is the one called the purple line. This line, I believe, is very meaningful to the the topic of the sermon that I'm preaching today because the purple line was a ceasefire line between Israel and Syria after the 1967 Six-Day War. Because Israel, they were minding their own business. The country is only 19 years old at this time. It's surrounded by countries that's thousands of years old. 19-year-old country, little young baby country. And Syria decided that they're going to declare war against Israel. They're going to attack Israel. And they're, they're, they're ramping up an assault and getting ready to attack Israel. Well, Egypt heard from Russia some misinformation that Israel was massing its forces on its northeast border, getting ready to defend itself against Syria. So Egypt agreed to, to attack Israel from the southwest and help her ally Syria. Only, that wasn't correct information. When Israel found out that Egypt had entered the conflict and that Jordan was considering entering the conflict, they launched a preemptive strike on Egypt. On June the 5th, 1967, 200 fighter jets left Israel and annihilated the Egyptian air force before it ever even left the tarmac. 90% of the air force was wiped out. They left from there. They went to Jordan, wiped out their air force. They went to Syria, wiped out their air force. And they went to Iraq and wiped out their air force. In one day, they had established air superiority over the entire Middle East, a 19-year-old country. Church, I'm telling you what, you don't mess with God's people. That is a very, very bad idea, and Satan needs to hear that. You don't mess with God's people, and I'm glad we're kin to them. Amen? Because the Bible says, if you be in Christ Jesus, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We're Jews by adoption. Amen? And the devil better not mess with us either because there is a God in Israel, and there's a God in the church. There's a God in your house. There's a God in your life, and he is with you. And you need to understand that. And the enemy knows this right well. So Jordan, during this period of time, they got false information that the Egyptian had defeated Israel. And so they started launching missiles over into Israeli territory in West Jerusalem. That is a very bad idea. Now Israel went on the assault against Jordan and took East Jerusalem, away from Jordan. By June the 10th, 1967, after only six days of war, 132 hours of fighting, a country that was 19 years old, they lost 800 Israeli soldiers. The Arab nations that fought against them lost 20,000 men. They lost the Sinai Peninsula and the Gaza Strip to Egypt. They lost the West Bank and the eastern part of Jerusalem from Jordan, and and they gained the Golan Heights from Syria. And so after this was over, they made a peace treaty, and they drew between Syria and Israel what is known as the Purple Line. It's a line of demarcation separating Israel from Jerusalem. They took land from Egypt. They took land from Jordan. They took land from Syria, a little baby country. Let me read this again from Psalms 139 and verse 5 and see if it gives it a little different meaning. You have hedged me behind and before. You laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I take of the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there, your hand leads me and your right hand holds me. Church, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you went through in 2021 or what you face in 2022, God is with you. He's got a hedge before you and behind you. His right hand holds you there's nowhere you can go that his presence is not with you. Amen. And it's there to keep you. And he will perform that which he began in me until it's accomplished. In 2022 God wants to lead you, hold you, and be a hedge before and behind you. And he will do that church. But listen to me, if you're on the right side of the line. If you're on the right side of the line. Because there's a spiritual line that is drawn. Now some people need to cross that line. And there are some lines that you better not cross. Amen? Come on, there's some lines you better not cross. The Bible says, to him that knoweth to do good, And do it not, to him it is a sin. There are some things, listen, I don't care what you say in your mind, I don't care what people tell you, there's some things you know is wrong. There's lines you should not cross. And you can make all the excuses in the world, you can make yourself feel good about it, but you know you're not supposed to cross that line. And to him that knoweth to do good and he does not do it, to him it's a sin. And you know it's wrong and you better not cross that line. And then there are some lines that we need to cross. There's some things we need to do that maybe we don't do. And there is a specific line drawn between good and evil. I call it the bloodline. And, and the bloodline, listen, Satan will cross the bloodline. The thing about this agreement, the, the demarcation line, is Satan doesn't honor that. We stay on our side of it, but he's still coming over there. The hunter pointed that out during worship this morning. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, huh? Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers us out of them all. Satan crosses the, the line all the time, and he can destroy the flesh. Come on, we're laying in the bed with COVID and say, God, what did we do? Have we done something wrong? Why? God, where are you? My wife was in terrible pain for five days. Nothing would touch it. Nothing would touch it. No pain medicine she took. Nothing would help. And she's just sitting there staring. and She's like, have I done something wrong? I'm like, babe, no. You don't get that thought out of your head, honey. It's just the attack of the enemy. I said, all things work to, And I'm quoting scripture to her. All things work together for good to those that love God and those that's called according to his purpose. You know, I will rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I said, I mean, we're not jumping up and down, shouting and singing praises, but I am declaring the word of the Lord in my home. Because Satan crossed the line. But the Bible tells us in Matthew 10 and Luke 12, don't fear him who can destroy the flesh. And afterwards, there's nothing else he can do to you. Because you need to understand, he can kill you. He can destroy the flesh, but he cannot touch my soul. He cannot touch my spirit. The Bible says, don't fear him that can destroy the flesh. And after that, he can't do anything to you. But I will tell you whom you should fear. Fear him that after he has destroyed the flesh, he can destroy your soul in hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. We need to have a reverent awe of God. Because Satan can't touch my spirit. He can't touch my soul. But we cross that line when we sin. He can't touch me, but when I step across the line and I'm over in his territory, brother, it's all... All deals are off now because I've stepped over there where I've made myself vulnerable to him. He has a legal right now to attack me spiritually because I'm in territory that I am not supposed to be in. So we need to make sure that we're on the right side of the line if we expect the blessings of God. We expose ourselves to the enemy. We see an example of this in Joshua chapter 3. It's a metaphor of the line of demarcation when Joshua and the children of Israel are standing on the brink of the Jordan. Because they're, they're actually at the end of a time period. They have wandered in the wilderness for 40 years in rebellion. They couldn't go into the promise of God because they're on the wrong side of the line. Church, when you're on the wrong side of the line, God's blessing is not going to be upon you. God can't bless you when you're on the wrong side of the line. For 40 years, they've wandered in the wilderness. Now, God kept them, and I believe that there's people that's walking in defiance, they're walking in rebellion, they're walking in rejection of God, and God still keeps them. And I thank God that his grace and his mercy endures forever. Because, brother, if that wasn't true, he would have he d- toasted me a long time ago, huh? and some of you. Because you probably, I don't know, everybody in here is guilty of this, but you probably walked in a period of rebellion and, and rejection of God. And he didn't destroy you. He kept you, even though you're walking in the wilderness, defying the commands of God. He kept you to give you a chance to cross the line to the right side. And so they're standing here on the brink of the Jordan, looking across the line to the right side, to the promised land. They've come to an end of a time period. It's kind of like us. We're coming to the end of, we're at the end of 2021. We're looking at a brand new year. It's not dented. It's not scratched. It's, the paint's pretty. It smells good. I hope by the end of 2022, I can look back and that thing is still shiny. Still smells good. Still drives good. Took care of 2022. Amen. Blessed the whole year. I'm believing God for good things this year. Amen. God was good to me in 2021. Now that doesn't mean there wasn't some battles, and what doesn't mean I got kicked in the head a few times. We, Gene and I have gone through some emotional, psychological, physical things in 2021. It was rough. So I hit my thumb with the hammer. That's not the worst thing that's happened to me. The rest of my body was pretty good. Amen. And I, and that's probably true with a lot of you, maybe all of you. But they're standing on the brink of the Jordan. Now, some of the old ways wasn't necessarily bad because of out of all these children, there's two people standing there that did things right. There's no need for them to change it because what they've been doing was the right thing. Joshua and Caleb, out of all that generation, were the only two that obeyed God, and God blessed them. And now he's getting ready to let them cross over because all the rest of them fell and died in the wilderness. It's a whole brand new generation. It's giving them an opportunity to go into the promised land. So some old ways don't need to change. In other words, if what you did in 2021 was good, you were serving God, living for God, you don't need to change a thing. Just keep right on doing what you were doing. Amen. But some people, some people need a they need something new. Because there was a few people in the children of Israel. They, they needed something new, but they rejected it. And we'll see that in just a second. So Israel is looking at where they need to go. We're standing here looking at 2022 and where we need to go with God in the new year. And we know where we are. And we look back at where we have been. Some people's looking at the past year, and it was rough. <laughs> they, want, they want something better And I can think of some people like that. 2021 was not good to them. I told Jeannie, I said, baby, in 47 years of marriage, neither one of us has ever been in an emergency room. And in December, we both wound up in the doggone thing. I was like, December was not good to us. (laughs) Joshua chapter 3, if you read it with me, and we'll read four verses here. Then Joshua rose up early in the morning. Everybody say early in the morning. And he set out for Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children. Everybody say all the children of Israel. Come on, everybody's in this together. They lodged there before they crossed over. Verse 2, and it was, it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priest, the Levites, bearing it, Then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go. For you have not passed this way before. I see three groups of people here in this. Number one, I see those that need to cross over the line. Because there's some people that are on the wrong side of the line. They they're on the wrong side of the line because they're living their life by their own design. They're those people they know what is right and wrong, but they make excuses to step over the line and they're out of God's protection and they're in the enemy's camp. And they need to get back on the right side of the line. There's people that know to do good, but they just don't do it. They need to cross the line. They follow the God of the wilderness. You know what that means? Joshua told them, said, choose who, who's, which gods you're going to serve. You're either going to serve, this is later on when they're in the promised land, he said, you're either going to serve the gods that your fathers served on the other side of the flood. Now, he's standing, that's, that's after they've crossed over, he's saying this now. But you back it up, they're standing here looking at the flood. They're in the land of the wilderness, and their forefathers had served the pagan gods of that land. In other words, they served the cares and the desires of the world. And there's people even people that name the name of Jesus that's living fulfilling every desire of their heart, serving the gods of this world. Indulging in things they know they should not be doing. And they need to cross the line to the right side. They're on the wrong side of the line and they need to cross over and they're standing there Look, they're standing in the world, the wilderness, where they've been serving all these pagan gods, but they're looking at the place where they need to go, the promised land, the place where God is telling them to go. In church, there's a place that we need to go, and it's into the presence of God. There's people that they make God out to suit themselves. Whatever they say is okay, it's okay. But church, God has a plan for your life. We read that in Psalms 139, 16. He says, the days are fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. What does that tell me? Before I ever even opened my eyes, God said, I've got a plan for you. The days I have got planned out for you and you're not even born yet. I've got a plan for your life. I've got a design for your life. But you can't live that standing on this side of the line. You've got to cross over to my side if you're going to live that life. So you stand on the precipice of this great flood, and you're looking across what seems to be impossible, asking yourself, how am I going to get from here to there? Because you got to understand, they're standing at the brink of the Jordan. It's in the flood stage. The snows from the mountains of Lebanon are melting, and it it floods the Jordan River. In some places, it's almost a mile wide. It's like a lake. And they're standing here, and God's saying, you got to cross over to the other side. And they're like, how? How are we going to do that? It seems impossible. Two things I see right off. To answer the question of how do I cross the line, the first thing is you need to take immediate action. Most people put off things as long as they possibly can. Amen. Do we have any procrastinators in the house? Huh? Procrastinators. Scarlett O'Hara. I can't think about that today. I'll do that tomorrow. Any going with the wind fans? I can't think about that today. I'll do it tomorrow. Procrastinators, someday, and that's their word, someday, someday I'll give my heart to Jesus. Someday I'll get my life straight with God. Someday. I like what what, uh, one brother said. He said, someday you'll get it straight. He said, I've never seen a crooked casket come down the aisle. They're all straight. said, so you get it straight one day, but it's too late to get it straight when you're in that casket. Amen? Someday I'll get it straight. Church, if you're saying, I need to start, fill in the blank. I need to start living like this. I need to start doing this. I need to start. I need to start. If you say that one time, That's okay. That's the acknowledgement that I'm doing something wrong and I need to do it right. I need to start. If you say it twice, you're procrastinating. If you say it three, four, five, six times, this is what you need to do. Take immediate action. Stop saying I need to do it and start doing it. Take immediate action. If you know what you need to do, don't talk about it. just do it. Amen? And I know, listen, I know everybody in here has got a bullhead. You've got a stubborn will whether you admit it or not? It's called a mindset. And everybody in here has a mindset. And when you set your mind on something, there's nothing going to move you from that. Am I right? Say amen. So you just need to get your mindset right. My mind needs to be set on whatever you said, God. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to say I need to. I'm going to do it. Take immediate action. Don't procrastinate. Say, this year I'm not going to procrastinate. I'm not going to pra- procrastinate. I'm going to get up early and go to it. The Bible says Joshua rose up early in the morning and they set out with him. Come on, let's all do this together, can we? Let's all do it together. We're going to get up early. We're not going to procrastinate. We're going to do what God is telling us to do. The second thing that I see is you need to follow the counsel of spiritual leaders as they walk in the presence and bear the word of God. Joshua 3.3 3 says, and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord, your God and the priests the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. I'm not telling you to follow men. I'm not telling you to follow spiritual leadership, men, women, whatever. I'm not telling you to do that. You follow the word of God as a divinely ordained, divinely called, divinely anointed man or woman of God instructs you in his word. You follow that word. You're not following them. You're following the word of God as they are teaching and preaching and and giving that to you. He said, you're to follow it because God, listen, God's not going to come down and and manifest himself, said, thus thus I say unto you, do this, do that. No, he uses human, flawed human vessels to do that. He always has. He used Abraham. He used Isaac. He used Jacob. He used Joseph. After that, he used Joshua. Then he used the judges. Then he used the prophets. Now he used the apostles, prophets evangelists pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints we read that in Ephesians chapter 411 let's read it and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the mini- the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ All right, so he uses flawed human vessels to say thus saith the Lord the Word of God look church this is the ark So when you see the priests, the Levites, those that have been called and ordained by God, holding up the Ark of the Covenant, you're to get up from your place and you are to follow it. You're to follow it. Why? Because God has called apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers to teach this to you So that you can do the work of the ministry so that the body of Christ can be edified by that. That's how it works. And God is telling us we need to to rise up early. We need to take immediate action. And we need to follow the instructions of anointed, ordained men and women of God. See, the previous generation died in the wilderness because they despised the instructions of Moses. Only Joshua and Caleb was the only two that was blessed because they obeyed the command of God and they followed the instructions of Moses. I've seen that. I've seen individuals miss God's blessing because they ignored the counsel of spiritual leadership. When they're telling them, listen, God told Moses, Moses, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. Moses was just a messenger. So Joshua 3 says, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the priests and the Levites bearing it, you go after it. 2022, I'm going to follow the word of God to the right side of the line. You're off to a good start. I'm, I'm coming in this morning and I'm watching all these young families coming into the church. And I'm thinking,
1: yes, God.
0: Yes, Lord. What a better way to start off a new year than to follow the commands of God. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. What better way to do that? And I I thank God for that. Now, I said I see three groups. Those that need to cross, they need to heed God's counsel, take immediate action. The second group is those that's already there. There's a lot of you, you're on the right side. You've been serving God in 2021. You served God the whole year. Brother, if it's, if it's not broke, don't fix it. There's nothing wrong with old things, right? If it works, sometimes they don't make them like they used to. If what you did last year is working, then don't change a thing. You just need to keep doing that. You don't need something new. The old is working. You need to keep hearing. You need to keep obeying. You need to keep following the word of God and do not compromise. Because just because you cross on the right side doesn't mean that you're in. Because this this once saved, always saved thing, you know I don't buy into that. How many of you remember me telling you this story about the pastor that moved to the community and he said, I need a haircut. And they said, well, where's the best place to get a haircut? They said, oh, you got to go to Grace's Barbershop and get a haircut. He said, all right. So he goes to Grace's Barbershop, and he said, they had a big sign there, haircuts and shaves. He said, I need a haircut and a shave. So they gave him a haircut, gave him a shave, you know. Well, a day went by, and he's like, man, that shave was just as slick as a baby's skin. Two days went by, shave just as slick as a baby's skin. He's like, great day. A week went by, still just slick. He's, my goodness, I ain't never had a shave like that. Months went by, Still, he calls up, he said, what in the world did you use when you shaved my face? It's still as sleek today as it was the day you shaved it. She said, oh, honey, you've been shaved by grace. Once shaved, always shaved. Just because you're on the right side, doesn't mean that you can't give in to your lust and cross to the wrong side. Because he told them to go to Jericho and you march around the walls are going to come down. But don't you touch, don't you touch anything in that city. Come on, the Bible tells us to come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. It's God's command that we live at peace with all men as much as life within you and holiness without which no man shall see God. Holiness is a command by God. Be ye holy for I am holy, saith the Lord. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. But Achan walked in there and he saw a beautiful Babylonian garment. He saw 30, I think it was, I forget how many shekels of silver. And he saw a wedge of gold about so many shekels and he stole them. He took them, took them to his tent, dug a hole and buried them. Now they're getting ready to go attack the little tiny city of AI. And, and Joshua sent spies and said, go check it out. And they come back and said, oh, it's a tiny little city. We don't need the whole army. Just send a couple thousand men up there. No problem. They go up there and get defeated at Ai. They come back and they've got men killed. And Joshua is down mourning. Oh, God, what's going to happen? We're in the land of the Canaanites and they're going to hear what happened. This tiny little city of Ai has defeated us. They will come. All of them will come against us. And God says, Joshua, get up off of the ground. What are you doing? There's sin in the camp. And so he goes and calls all the different tribes together. And when he gets to Achan, he said, tell me what you've done. He said, well, I'll tell you what I've done. Joshua chapter 7, look at it with me. He said to Achan, my son, I beg you, give glory to God of Israel and make confession to him and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Verse 20, and Achan answered Joshua and said, indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them. And took them, and they are here. They are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it, verse twenty-two. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and there it was hidden in the tent with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel, and laid it out there, laid them out before them, the Lord, verse twenty-four. Then Joshua and all the children with him took Achan, the son of Zerah. The silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all of Israel stoned him with stones and they burnt them with fire after they had stoned them with the stones. Then the, then they, uh, they raised over him a great heap of stones, still there to this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of that place is called the Valley of Achor to this day. Church, look this way and listen. Your sins doesn't just affect you. It doesn't just affect you. His whole family died because of what he did. And you can make excuses for your sin, but God, God, listen to me. If you've got kids, they're watching you. If you're in this church and you profess the name of Jesus and you're living a compromising life, there's people in this church, they're watching you. And they say, well, so-and-so, man, here's a great man of God. So-and-so, she's a great woman of God, and they do this. It must be okay. I can do this too. They're watching you. And the judgment will fall on them just as it will on you. We need to renew our vows in 2022. When Joshua, if you read in Joshua 24, he said, choose this day whom you're going to serve. You're either going to serve the gods that your father served on the other side of the flood or you're going to serve the gods of the Amorites in whose land we now dwell. But he says, as for me and my house, come on, there's no procrastination here. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We need to renew that vow every year. God, this year, I'm going to serve you. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. God, I'm going to serve you. So there's three groups, those that need to cross, those that's already there. And then the last group, those that are satisfied just to stay right where they are. They're on the wrong side of the line. They're happy to stay there. There's a lot of people like that. I mean, they sit in the pews of churches every Sunday. They're really not living for Jesus. They're religious, but they're not righteous. They know they can, they can probably, some of them tell the Bible stories better than you can. Matthew 7, 21 talks about it. It says, not all that have said, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of God. But many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, I prophesied in your name. I cast out devils in your name. I did many mighty works in your name. But he will say that day, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. They're on the wrong side of the line, and they're happy to stay there. Because they they love their sin. They are workers of iniquity. They're doing things they know is wrong, but they simply will not change. They're content just to stay right there. Because God has instructed them, when you see the ark of God, and you see it lifted on the priest of God, and you see them step into the flood, you follow it. But Reuben and Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh said, we don't want to cross the river. We want to stay right here. And God let them stay there. He even provided for them. Now, whether or not they were, that's a picture of people that made it through, but they were saved as by fire. I'm not really sure. But this I do know. Why would you settle for less when you can have God's best? I don't want to settle for less. I want God's best. And his best is only found in his presence. The ark is crossing to the right side of the line. That's where I want to be. I don't want to be over here because I'm still in the enemy territory. The presence of God is not there. If you remember when they were in the wilderness, they were followed by a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. And as long as they were under the cloud, they were protected from their enemy. They were protected from their heat. They were given manna. God protected them while they stayed in his presence. If they wandered from that, they were in the enemy's territory, and the the Amalekites especially would would follow behind them and kill the old and the weak and those who lagged behind. Why? Because they're not in the presence of God anymore. And it looks like Reuben and Gad and those guys would have understood, look, (laughs) it's not a good place to be out of the presence of God. The ark is going over there, and we're over here. But there are some people that are just satisfied to stay on the wrong side. Listen, if you're tired of desiring God's best, but it never seems to come, you might be on the wrong side of the line. I can promise you this. Why don't you stand with me if you would, please. Hallelujah. I've been trying to cut this a little bit shorter because I used to, go so long and I'd see people like okay they're not hearing me anymore (laughs) the mind can only take in what the seat can endure I don't believe that anyone will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and say I regret the day I followed you. I don't believe that's ever you're ever going to hear those words. Jesus, I regret the day I followed you. But I think we will see a number that can't be numbered that will stand there and say, I regret I didn't follow you. Church, in 2022, let's commit. To follow him. I am committed to you. That I won't preach. Anything else. Other than the word of God. Now I preach on a lot of different things. But I always bring that in light. Of how it applies to the word. Amen. I will attempt to be. And I will be. I'm not going to attempt to. I will be. The man that holds the Ark of God. That's what God's called me to do. And when I can't do that anymore, I will resign and turn this over to somebody else. But I will hold the Ark of God. And I will instruct you in it. I believe that God has called me to be a teacher for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's my calling. It's my duty. It's my job. My responsibility. And I'm going to ask you if you would commit today to follow it, meaning the instruction. Not me. I'm not asking anybody. I don't want anybody to follow me. Follow the Word of God as I deliver it to you. Because, God, at the, at the end of that, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm nobody. I'm just like you. I like the way Pastor Joel put it. I'm one beggar showing another, another beggar how to find a piece of bread. I like the way he put it. Pray for Joel. And he has been going through it, my word. His son-in-law told him, says, I've seen a lot of people from the plant going through this COVID thing, but I have not seen anybody go through it as long as you have so far. So I don't know what that's about. I I know that the enemy is raging against him, but God is with him. Amen. Now listen, all the things that I've said is not to say that we won't have some struggles, and there's some, there is some crazy stuff going on in the world around us, and it's concerning. I'm not going to say it's frightening because we're not going to live in fear. There's too many times Jesus says, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. But it is concerning. Part of that is because we love our comfort. Huh? We love our comfort, and what they're threatening to do, it, it threatens my comfort. And I don't like that. But no matter what comes my God is bigger than all of that. He kept us last year church and he is going to keep you in the upcoming year. The Bible says that God, Jesus has been given a name that is above every name. Right, and it doesn't matter what that name is. Wuhan virus. <laughs> the Delta, the Omega. It doesn't matter what you name. The name of Jesus is above everything that is named. Inflation, depression, depression, his name is above all of that. And I pray that we will walk this journey together, no matter who you are, How many of you heard Jensen Franklin this morning? Do you all listen to Jensen Franklin in the mornings? Man, he was preaching a good word. My goodness, you ought to try to pull it up and read it because he's talking about being one. And he said, I am so tired of labels. I'm on the right. I'm on the left. I'm on the center. He said, I'm on God's side. And it doesn't matter if you're on the left, if you're on the right, if you're conservative, if you're a liberal. Huh? we are in Christ Jesus. Now, you may think the other side can't possibly be in Christ Jesus. I'm the only one in that. (laughs) I just want us to walk together. And for me to be able to love you, even though you may not agree with me on everything, all right? We need an armistice line. We can't be fighting with each other. We need an armistice. We need to say, look, whatever our differences are, we're going to lay them aside. We're going to come together, and we're going to agree on something that makes us one. Right. We may have some political views that differ. We may have some theological views that differ. There's some view that may differ with me on theological issues. And that's okay. You can be wrong if you want to. I don't blame you. <laughs> but I'm going to love you anyway. And I want you to love me anyway. Because there is one thing we can't agree on Jesus is Lord. Amen. He's the Savior of my soul, the Lord of my life. And I pray that He is for you too. Would you just bow your head? Father, I pray in Jesus' name that every person that has heard this message today is just encouraged by it, God. We are living in some alarming times, God. There's things going on that we don't understand. They're different. They're just different, God. Now, in some countries, God, what we're going on, they would love to be here, and they would gladly go through what we're going through and feel like that it's a great blessing because what they face is so, so much worse, Lord. There's some horrible things that happens in the world. But, Lord, right here in America, we we are blessed, Lord, and I never take that for granted, God. We are blessed abundantly above and beyond what we can ask or think, Lord. We really are. And even with the struggles that we've had, Lord, the struggles we had in 2021, God, we're blessed. We're blessed. We're blessed. And we thank you for that, God. But there are some people today, Lord, that they may be struggling, Lord, and they question those things. And they're fearful, God, and they're concerned. Lord, I pray that your power would just overshadow them, God. I pray that your peace would keep them, God. God, I pray that you would help them to find rest in you, God, that they would find trust and comfort In you, Lord. God, I pray that your strength would be in them, God. Lord, those that are struggling physically today, touch their body, Lord. Stop the pain. God, we pray those that's believing you, God, for complete healing, God, that it comes, no matter what it is, Lord. God, we pray for those that is... petitioning you, God, for the desires of their heart. God, I pray that you would just bless them today, God. Lord, those that need to cross the line to the right side, Lord, they have never committed their life to you. God, I pray today, Lord, that they will commit their life to you in 2022, God. They will say, I'm going to live for Jesus They will totally and completely surrender their life to you, God, that you would be their Savior, but most importantly, you would be the Lord of their life. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hunter, take us to the throne, brother.
1: In Christ alone, corner stone, weak and made strong. In the Savior's love, through the storm, He is Lord, Lord of Declare this out when darkness seems to hide his face. I rest on his unchanging grace in every high and stormy gale my anchor holds within. ¡Oh! sound Oh may I there in him be found dressed in his righteousness alone and fall and stand before his throne in Christ the Star. We can strong in the Savior's love, through the storm.
0: you this morning. Lord, I pray that your blessing will just overshadow the body of Christ, God, in the upcoming year. Lord, keep them, Father. Now, Lord, I pray for every family that is assembled here, God, today and those that are represented here today. Lord, I pray your blessing be on them. God, be on their home. God, that their home would be a refuge, Lord, an escape from the world. God, a place where your Holy Spirit is welcome. God, let your presence be known there. Let them sense your presence, God. Your peace, God, your joy. Lord, that there would be peace in the home, not arguing, not disagreeing, not fighting, Lord. Not coldness and harshness, Lord. But love and peace and joy, goodness, patience and mercy and grace. Strengthen the family, Lord. Husbands and their wives, parents and their children, siblings one with each other. Lord, I pray a special prayer for those who are walking their journey alone today, God. I pray, Lord, that you help them to find the person that you have for them. Lord, we read this morning, God, that that you have a plan for them even before their days begin. So, Lord, there's somebody out there that you have for them, that special someone, God. Help them to find that person, Lord, to start their journey together. Lord, if they're happy, Lord, to, like Paul, walk the journey alone, then, Lord, I pray that you would just be their comfort, God. You would be their companion, that you would give them peace and joy. In Jesus' name, Amen. Church, I just want to say before you go, thank you for your faithfulness over last year. I I mean that. I saw a lot of families coming in this morning. I'm like, faithful, 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 faithful. Thank you for your faithfulness. God bless you. Looking forward to a new year with you. Amen. (laughs)